following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. I'm John Taffer, best-selling author, bar rescue guru, and soon your new best friend. I've got a lot of shit for us to talk about, so stop making excuses and let's get started, because this gets real right now. All the way from the studios at Podcast One, here's John Taffer. Here we go, another episode of No Excuses with me, John Taffer. Well, it is now the week of July 17th, and uh, uh, last night's Bar Rescue was one of my favorites ever, and if you didn't watch it, uh, you probably should have. It's the first time I ever looked at somebody and said, fire your girlfriend. And a pretty intense episode. And my one of my favorite bar rescues ever because Little John was in it. And those of you who know me know that I've known Little John for years. He and I are good friends. I guess we've been friends about 12, 15 years. Uh, when I had my 100th episode party in New York City, Little John spun for it. When I have events, I always have Little John do them with me. I'll go to his events, and Little John is not at all what you think he is. Little John, first of all, is married, has two wonderful kids. One, I believe, is becoming an attorney right now, lives in Atlanta, and he's just one solid dude. He's not only the greatest party DJ in the country, but he is a a great individual. So having little John do recon with me was really a lot of fun. Here's the story of the episode. Normally, the experts sit in the SUV with me, and I would send little John in to do recon. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to mix this up. I'm going to have my experts come in tomorrow because I really don't need them tonight. I'm going to send little John's crew in to do recon, and I'm going to sit in the SUV with little John. I'm going to completely reverse everything, mix it up, and see what happens. And boy, am I glad I did. Little John was awesome. So little John and I sat in the SUV. I sent his posse inside, and those guys uh, 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 got crab claws that they didn't have crackers. He's trying to crack the cl- a crab claw. <laughs> between his teeth. Another one wouldn't drink his drink. So little John is sitting with me hysterical laughing. So if you didn't get a chance to watch that episode, please do. It was one of my favorites and it's a big success story. They're doing very, very well down there. So July 4th is over. We're now in the middle of summer. Next week is the most important bar rescue episode I have ever done. And, you know, it's not only the most important bar rescue episode I've ever done. It's a topic that I want to talk about right now. Several weeks ago, I shut down Bar Rescue production because I wanted to go to Puerto Rico and really make a difference. So we shut down production literally for about six weeks, realigned our entire production schedule, and I took myself and my crew of about 57, and we went down to Puerto Rico to rescue a bar in the town, Luisa, that was pretty much virtually leveled by Hurricane Maria. And when I was down there, I cried, first of all, for the first three or four days that I was down there. I met people that were unbelievably inspiring to me. And I saw an island that seven months after a hurricane was still destroyed. Roofs ripped off buildings, streets not functioning. So I left Puerto Rico with this profound feeling of sorrow that this is an American territory and they've been ignored 
and the average how the median household income down there is only eighteen thousand dollars a year. These people are freaking starving to death down there. They don't have the money to dig themselves out of the crisis that they're in. There's no headlines. There's no newspapers talking about it. Then today, I happen to see an ad in the paper from BuzzFeed News. FEMA admits its response to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico was inadequate. Really? (laughs) It took them this long to figure that out? What's amazing to me is that they have provided virtually support that is invisible. At the end of the hurricane, sand was about five feet deep on all the roads. People couldn't even leave their houses. They couldn't use their phones. They couldn't communicate with anybody for weeks at a time. But we didn't know that, did we? We don't know that they're still losing power down there, do we? And if we don't know it, we can't fix it. If there's no voice, there's nobody listening. So next week's Bar Rescue episode is the most important episode I have ever done. Please do not miss it. Set your DVRs now. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. There's no screaming. There's no throwing things. I am trying to help people involved in one of the worst crises I have ever seen. And I'm glad I went down there and took care of it because obviously FEMA is not. So if you care and you want to try to help somebody, send an email, post. Let's start calling FEMA out. Their responsibility is to help. When they don't help, we have to speak up. And that was really upsetting to me. So next week's Bar Rescue is going to be, I believe, your favorite bar rescue ever, certainly my personal one. So let's see what else is going on here in the news. I got a kick out of this one. NASA spacecraft picked up weird plasma sounds as it plunged into Saturn. So NASA says that its Cassini spacecraft picked up something very unusual. Plasma sounds, and they have the graph of the sounds and the oscilloscope that did it, that, that convert into an audio file in the same way radio translates electromagnetic waves into music. So in essence, There's a moon in Saturn that's broadcasting music (laughs) of sorts and a plasma broadcast to the mainland. And I tried to listen to it. I couldn't quite figure it out, but I must tell you, it did sound a little bit (laughs) like Marilyn Manson. So this is something else that caught my eye. This was from whatstrending.com. You're going to love this. Forbes, Forbes predicts Kylie Jenner to be the youngest self-made billionaire with a B ever. Think about that. She's 21 years old. She's projected to be a billionaire. And I got to scratch my head and say, why? How does that happen? How does somebody become a billionaire at 21 years old for a reason that nobody quite understands? <laughs> What's trending.com wrote a great article. And I got to read you a couple of lines. Here's how it starts. For a girl with no talent, Kylie Jenner has done pretty well for herself. The makeup mogul is on the cover of Forbes' August Women Billionaires issue. At just 20, Jenner is worth a measly $900 million. Kylie Cosmetics, Jenner's cosmetic company, is worth around $800 million. And the new mom owns, you ready? She owns 100% of the company. It's not public. It's not anything. Think about that. Why is she so successful? Her last name certainly has a lot to do with it. The media platforms around her certainly have a lot to do with it. This is a person who has taken advantage of their unfair advantage. Think about that. There's some depth in this for us. Each of us has some type of an unfair advantage. Some of us are funnier than others. Some of us are smarter than others. Some of us are better looking than others, taller than others, shorter than others. Some of us are more cuddly than others. Some of us have the great eyes. Some of us don't. 
Some of us have great stories. Some of us don't. Some of us has experiences that others don't. Every one of us has one unfair advantage that we could leverage to make ourselves successful. In Kylie's case, it's her name, her family, and her media platforms. Without those media platforms, this article wouldn't exist and Kylie wouldn't have the dollars. What is your unfair advantage? Is it your personality? Is it your skills? Is it your experience set? What is it about you that gives you an unfair advantage? Because she found hers. Learn from this. How do you find your unfair advantage? I think I know what mine is. You know, I learned years ago when I started giving speeches at conventions. One of my unfair advantages is I'm a very good public speaker. I find my words very well. You see me do it on Bar Rescue. I'm never at a loss for words. Communicating is my unfair advantage. I've used it my whole life as a speaker, as a writer on television, even in manuals and business plans. I have used that unfair advantage to get me where I am. Are you using your unfair advantage to get you where you are? Think about that. (laughs) I'll be really straight with you. If Kylie can do it, you can freaking do it. (laughs) So (laughs) I would take a hard look at that and be inspired by it. Here's another great story. I just loved it because I love the headline. Punk band Pussy Riot stage World Cup protest. (laughs) So the Russian band Pussy Riot ran up on stage at the World Cup in police uniforms, claiming that the police uniforms represented illegal arrests and unfounded imprisonment of political prisoners. Well, I think the police uniforms got them in the arena. (laughs) Uh, um, If they were protesting prisoners, my guess is they would wear prisoners' uniforms. (laughs) When I read that article, I thought of a story. I won't tell his name, but I have a friend I went to high school with. And this guy went to, it was either 8, 10, 11, 12 World Series games in a row. And he also went to about eight Super Bowl games in a row. And the man never bought a ticket ever. He rented himself a Pinkerton uniform, like a security uniform. He got one of those big canvas money bags. He filled the money bags with rocks. And he'd come up to the stadium in his uniform with the big money bag and he'd say, concession change, I need to get in immediately. And the kid at the turnstile would let him right in and he went to every game that way. (laughs) He wore a security uniform to get into the game. I'm guessing they wore a police uniform to get into the game as well. I got a question. I watched... Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's show on Showtime a little bit. Where do we draw the line? You know, where do you draw the line? Is it reasonable to dress up as a, a handicapped veteran in a wheelchair and interview someone on television for the purpose of embarrassing them through deceit? Now, I embarrass people on television. I get that. But I do it through honesty, not deceit. I don't dress like somebody else, act like somebody I'm not. If we deceive and embarrass people through deceit, then the core of honesty and integrity completely disappears. Think about that for a moment. Is that reasonable to you? Is it reasonable that someone would dress themselves or act like someone who we would be sensitive or feel sorry for? exploit the one who is being sensitive and feeling sorry, exploit the good one, because Sasha is the evil one in that scenario. If somebody is told, I want you to do an interview with a veteran who's handicapped in a wheelchair, 
and Sarah Palin, Cheney, whoever does it. I'm not picking one side or another. If they say yes to the interview, they're the good guy. They're the good guy, not the bad guy. The guy who comes in in costume and wheelchair to disgrace them for being the good guy is, in fact, the asshole. So, Sasha Baron Cohen, to me, is the epitome of an asshole. Exposing and deceiving to embarrass people when they are trying to be their best and put their heart out and interview who they think is a wounded veteran is about as low as it gets. I will not watch that show. And if you at all believe that there should be some integrity, that people should be shamed for what they do, people should be held accountable for who they are, but they should not be portrayed and deceived to be embarrassed for what they're not. If you believe that, then you won't watch this show either. You won't let this be successful because this is going so far in the gutter that you can smell the shit. And that shit is all over Sasha Baron Cohen. And that's how I feel about that. Over the line, complete asshole. And that show should be shut down. And we can do it. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Don't be a part. Evil deception just to hurt people for the purpose of hurting only and making money on their pain. That is the epitome of unacceptable. Well, I got some callers today that I'm pretty excited about. I got a guest I'm incredibly excited about. This is one of my favorite interviews with one of my favorite people, Grant Cardone. I am really excited, but got to wait a minute because we're taking a short break. We're not making excuses, but John Taffer will be right back. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Boy, in my work, I have to hire people all the time. And even doing it as much as I have for all the years that I've done it, it's not easy. Have you tried to hire someone lately? It's hard, man. But it doesn't have to be thanks to my friends at LinkedIn. Think about it. A business is only as strong as its people. And every hire matters. You can't settle on your employees. So don't settle for posting and hoping the right person finds your role and finds your job. That's really a big gamble. LinkedIn is more than the world's largest professional network. It's also a better way to find great talent. Think about it. 70% of the U.S. workforce is on LinkedIn. You already know LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network. Well, it's also a better way to find great talent. Just ask any of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who have posted to LinkedIn jobs over the past year. And because LinkedIn considers skills, experiences, location, and more to match and promote your job to potential candidates, businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. LinkedIn is almost a pre-qualification to make sure that the quality of candidate is even better. If you're not using LinkedIn for your hiring needs, you're missing out. Go to linkedin.com slash Taffer and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash Taffer for $50 off. Terms and conditions apply. Go check it out now. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. 
Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new car or a used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. You want to know what I think? Here it is. Here's Taffer's take. Some of us wake up and spend money every day. Some of us wake up and make money every day. It's those who wake up and make money every day that have the money to spend. Let's do it. Taffer's back. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. Every once in a while in life, you meet someone and you say to yourself, wow, this guy not only talks the talk, he walks the walk. He's authentic. He's real. He's successful. He has something to teach people. He has a message to give people. And, you know, you, you watch somebody like this from a distance and you think that, you know, how real could they be? How much energy could they really have? And I've watched Grant Cardone for years. And then I got the chance to meet him and Elaine. We had lunch together. What was it, Grant, about a year ago or so? Yeah, maybe a little over a year, John. Too long. Too long. Too long. Too long. Too long. But when I met you, man, you were everything I had hoped that you would be and more. Some people just don't live up to their reputation. Let me just give people a rundown for just a second, buddy. So you grew up in Lake Charles, Louisiana, right? Reasonably poor family. That's right. You jumped into real estate, made millions of dollars. Yeah, you you, you, you kind of skipped some stuff there, but... Go ahead. Tell us the beginning story. Tell me the first couple of years. Yeah, well, my dad, my dad died when I was ten, right? So he and he was a provider, John. You would have loved my dad because he shook, he got up every morning, did whatever it took to to take care of the family. A high integrity guy, really believed in, you know, never do anything to 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 harm your name and take care of your family. He's five kids, uh, had twins when he was forty two years old. Did you get your work ethic from him? Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Without a doubt. I got more than work ethic from him. I got I got this this idea that work was really a, a gift, you know, and something that that you wanted to be great at, whatever the job was, whether it was picking up sticks or being a salesperson or a plumber or whatever it was. You want to win. Yeah. And then he died when I was 10. So it left a big void in my family personally for me because he was a success guy. My mom was a housewife and my mom had to sell the house. Uh, the following week uh, because she was worried about it, you know, being too expensive to upkeep. And then I went bad. I mean, just to fast forward, because I know you don't have a lot of time today because you're such a busy dude, man. I'm just so. Oh, who's saying that? And, and so the next 15 years was really terrible for me from 10 years old to 25. I got, you know, I got into a lot of trouble and, and went down and made bad choices and went through college and high school, hated it. And, and, when I was 25, I really started <clears throat> redoing my life at 25. I became a very, very good salesperson at 25 years old, became a master at the game by the time I was 30, started investing in real estate when I was 33. Grant is one of the best known sales consultants in the country. Forget real estate and training and motivational. Just as a salesman, a technical salesman, your training programs, Cardone a University, the things that you do, I can't imagine anyone who's more impactful in the sales space than you are. 
And that's separate of everything else that you do in life. So that was your beginning. You really started being a great salesman and then everything came from that. Yeah. And we went, John, we went basically for the first 20, 20 years of my career from 25 to 45, we were focused on large companies, big, big giant, like fortune 500 companies, uh, going in and working with their sales organization, whether it was Nissan or Ashley furniture or Morgan Stanley and saying, Hey, how can we improve the customer? engagement, be more productive, make it easier for the the employees and for the customer. Uh, So these were big companies. But after 20 years, man, uh, you know, taking a company that's making $5 billion and you you increase their sales by 500 million, you're not, I mean, you're doing something really, really special and really important and money was awesome, but I wasn't changing individual people's lives. And so the last 15 years, I guess, little less than that, 12 years, we started putting emphasis on the entrepreneur and the individual, and that's how you and I met. You're a 10X program. Talk about that for a moment, because you you really give back, buddy. I mean, Grant, the amount of time that you put into helping people on your social channels, through your educational programs, through your books, through your plan, put, this is a mission for you. I mean, you are so passionate about helping other people. It's really special. And by the way, Lane is the same way. You know, yeah, that passion she, lives in both of you. She wanted to come in and say hi. We, we thought this was on video. She wanted to say hi to you, but just yell hi, Elena. Hello. Thank you so much. Oh, hi. Consider it a hug. So for my listeners, so Grant is, and I'm going to say it, buddy, is a multi-multi-millionaire. He's a radio show host, a best-selling author in New York Times with the Cardone Zone, which is a your great radio show. You have Cardone Enterprises, which does what, Grant? Well, Cardone Enterprises is the consulting arm that, that works with the big companies. These are, you know, multi-million dollar contracts, long term, you know, three to five years long with companies like like a Nissan or a Chrysler or, yep. or, or you know, an Ashley. And, and, and these are worldwide contracts. But, you know, th- that's Cardone Enterprise. Then, the, then Cardone Capital uh, or the Cardone Real Estate Division was created about, I guess, 18 years ago. And. We've accumulated almost almost a billion dollars. We'll actually we'll probably hit a billion dollars this year, John. In a real wow, thing. that's awesome, buddy. You so deserve it. Yeah. Thanks. So 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 uh, uh, when we look at you know, I love your favorite saying because it's really so true. I want to say it just right. So if I don't say it right, correct me. The number one rule in creating sex success is to show up. Just show up, folks. Yeah, even in sex, John. Just the way you said it the first. <laughs> You got you got to show up, right? You got to show up. Like great things happen to people that show up, and and I mean, you can pray, you can meditate, uh, you can do whatever you want to do. If you don't show up, God will not answer your prayers. The meditation won't work. You won't get lucky. Like my career literally has been about showing up over and over and over again. Even Elena that I'm married to, I just kept showing up in her life for for a year. Somehow figuring out a way to show up on her voicemail or email or wherever she was having dinner. And one day she's like, man, you're short, but you're kind of sexy. <laughs> she was right. So, you know, what's interesting is, is when, when that simple phrase show up, what happens when you show up, you learn something, you make a contact, you leave with an entrance into a different industry, a different segment. There's no way you lose if you show up. And people, people come, you know, I showed up and a meeting went terrible, but you learned from the terrible meeting. Yeah. And look, most of the times, I mean, just so everybody knows, like most of the time when I show up, it's actually disappointing. Like, but, like there, there's nothing that does come out of it. So you got to really get used to showing up 
and not getting anything. Yeah. And if you can do that second part, right, just keep showing up, keep showing up with a smiling face, keep showing up with a good attitude, keep showing up like you won. Uh, the marketplace will at some point reward you. You know, you talked about how much I give back 80 percent of what I do. I'm not I'm never paid for. I never expect to be paid. I never expect to be compensated. But I but I know that those contributions, those investments will enhance how I'm paid on the other 20 percent. Boy, you and I are so alike. So Grant and I both have consulting companies. We both sign large corporations, Fortune 500, international global brands. We both sign them to long-term contracts. And we're, we go about our businesses in, in very different ways. I focus on operational elements, the four walls of a business, merchandising, marketing, all of the things that go inside. And Grant makes people come alive. And when Grant does that, Something happens, and, and you're going to smile when I say this, buddy. You know, years ago, I used to talk to people in, in conventions and meetings who has expense problems, who has expense problems, and every hand goes up. And if you yeah. have a business, you know, you're going to say your rent's too high, your marketing's too high, this is too high, this is too high. But we don't have expense problems. We have revenue problems. Revenue cures everything. That's right. So when you look at a guy like Grant, Grant ignites revenue. He ignites energy. And when you feed a business with energy and revenue, everything else comes together. The staff gets happy. Energy levels go up. Cash flow improves. In my business, when I was young, Grant, I got promoted 11 times in five years, all because I could raise revenue. When you right. raise revenue, you get noticed, man. The, so, the, you're, you're, the individual's value is tied to revenue. And this is what they don't teach you in college. Like, it, it, you know, uh, I hear so many people say money's not important. And I'm like, look, you're either misinformed or very, very rich. Because, see, see, once you're Mark Cuban and you're a billionaire, you can say money doesn't matter anymore. By the way, you better say it. Yep. Because nobody can relate to you at that point. And, and those people that have given up on money are saying money's not important. But the reality is, look what LeBron did this weekend. I knew he was going to L.A. I've been telling everybody for two months. I said, I guarantee you, LeBron James will end up in Los Angeles. He's not following rings. He's following the money, and he should. Yep. It's his responsibility to follow the revenue train, and this is what Americans need to be told today. This is what built our great middle class years ago, and if we don't change that and go back to that, it will kill the middle class. People should follow the money. They should follow the opportunity. They should follow opportunity, and they should follow those things that can help produce more revenue for the company they're working for because that's how they'll get promoted like you did. It's, it's the absolute truth. You know, I, I was talking to a caller last week who was talking about how he, he, you know, how does he step out of his comfort zone? You know, and terminology is so important, Grant, and I know you agree with this. One is not stepping out of a comfort zone. They're stepping into an opportunity. Right. And if you think you're stepping out of your comfort zone, why the hell would you do that? So, yeah. so, so, so you and I step out of our comfort zone all the time. That's what you mean by show up. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like I'm not stepping. I don't, I don't see it as stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm stepping into some opportunity. I, I love that. And you it, grow from it. You know, the yeah. other word that kills me and you'll agree with this. I hate the word dreams. These yeah. are my dreams. Dreams are fantasies. If we just took the word dream and turned it to goals and really bought into it, right? Yeah. Cause your dreams were goals. You yeah. made them happen. They yeah. were never dreams to you. They were goals. Weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be people that say, hey, I'm living the dream. I hate that saying so much. 
I'm like, dude, look, I, I know where you live. I know where you drove up in and I know where your problems are. That's not a dream. That's a nightmare. You know, when dreams don't come true, we're not disappointed. When goals don't come true, we really are disappointed. Yeah, and should be. You know, it's funny. After 150 bar rescues, Grant, I found what I think was the common denominator of failure. And I know you'll agree with this. Our excuses. You know, when people wake up in the morning, if they blame someone or something else for their shortcomings, they have no reason to change. But when you woke up in the morning before you were successful, who did you blame your failures on? Well, I, mean, I had everybody to blame. Economy, government. Myself, my dad dying, my older but brother. Died. But the magic word was yourself. Yeah, you didn't yeah. pass the blame. You shared it. Even when, at some point, I had to quit blaming me too because it's, I'm like, I got to do something. Now I got to get out of this situation I'm in. And that meant yeah. I had to get to the back of the truck and I had to push. I had a sales job in the auto industry that I hated. And rather than quitting that job, I said, you know what? I'm going to get great at this job and then I'm going to blow out of here. But, but I, Rather than looking for another thing or looking for the thing that fit me or doing the thing I love to do, I had to figure out how to be successful at something I hated. And I know you'll relate to that. Like, yeah. I learned to get great at something I despise. And that changed my life. What was that? What did you despise? Well, I hated sales. And what, what I learned in sales that in that auto dealership funded, funded me buying a billion dollars worth of real estate. Okay, so you just did your 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 10x boot camp, did you not? Yeah, we did 10x because you asked me earlier what is 10x. 10x was a book I wrote. It's called the 10x rule. It's it's the book of my seven books that really took off internationally and and got me fairly well known. And the 10x 10x is basically I think it took off and it created a literally like a what's the word uh, tidal wave <laughs> a follow wave a following a tidal wave a, a, a almost a cult following of 10x people. It's like a nation of, of maniac people that, that really get the concept of multiplying things rather than adding. And um, it's actually what Google uses. I don't know if, if, if you uh, search Google, the company, and the 10x rule, they actually invest only in companies where they can get 10, 10x multipliers. Yeah. So the so 10x rule, was, it was written for me to figure out how to get my family to the next level. And I wanted to play at another level after 25 years of being in business. I felt like I hadn't done enough. And I'm like, how can I go to some level that can't be disrupted, can't be destroyed, the economy can't take it from me. And that's what we've been doing over the last six or seven years. And, it, um, and, and in doing so, it's really opened me up to millions of people that we consider family, not, not fans of ours. You just did a big 10x program here in Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so now you have you have thousands of people there. I know you have your co-speakers and, and your friends there, and maybe we can do one together one day. But when you walk off that stage and that room is energetic like that, what yeah. does that moment mean to you professionally? I think I think John, like I love that moment, right? But but to put ten thousand people in a room without using a third-party promotional company and knowing those 10,000 people are going to be treated the entire three or four days the way I want people treated. When I walked out, when I walked out and saw 10,000 people sitting in seats excited, dude, and, and I knew I wasn't there to change their state, but I was there to change their bank statement, uh, that we weren't just talking rah-rah and, you know, get motivated, but we were actually giving people strategies. That, that for me is what 
you know, really meant the most to me because my dad left when I was 10. And I, I wanted an uncle so bad. I wanted a John Taffer in my life so bad when I was 12 years old. And that day, I never got it, by the way. My uncle never showed up for me. And and I remember saying to myself, if I'm ever successful, one day I'm going to be, I'm going to be that uncle that didn't show up for me. And that day when I walked out on that stage and saw 10,000 people sitting in the, at, the, uh, at the hotel in the Mandalay Arena, I was like, dude, you, you told mom, I told my mom when I was 16, one day I'm going to help millions of people. And that day, that's, that was the great takeaway for me. Like, I'm, I'm fulfilling one of my first goals in life, to help other people and be an uncle or a supporter to other people. You know, we're, we're both blessed, buddy. We both have pretty good bank accounts. We both have our airplanes. We both have, you know, beautiful wives. And and, and not only is Elaine a beautiful, but your two daughters are just adorable, Grant. Yeah. And, and, and you're a big family man. Everything that you've done has never taken time from your family, has it? Yeah, people, people are like, man, how do you run seven businesses and still find time for your family? You do, don't yeah. you? I spend I spend more time with my kids than I guarantee ninety nine percent of all parents. And that's a choice. I have zero interest in life balance. I don't think about it. I don't try to do it. I think it's hokey bullshit. <laughs> I think it's impossible. Everybody that talks about it doesn't have it. And so what I did was I created a life and put the businesses in it and put the wife in it and put the kids in it. You know, I want to construct a life, and I think a lot of people would be better off if they constructed a life and then put everything else in it, where I live, where I office, the plane, all that. The plane wasn't a show off. Somebody said, man, you're such a show off in your plane. I'm like, dude, you, need it. you don't buy a plane to show off. You take a picture next to a plane to show off. That's right. <laughs> so, so, so those things were there. I, I traded money for a plane so I could have more time with my family. At the end of the day, you've taken your life and made it an instrument for the success and happiness of others. And that's should be the words on your tombstone 150 years from now when you get hit by a bus. Yeah, because because that's your legacy, buddy. It's not money. Exactly. It isn't sales. Nobody's remember me because because of a plane. They're going to remember me because of the people I helped. A lot of young entrepreneurs listen to our show, and, and you know the, the the words that we say to them can steer and direct them, and you know put them on a path to success. You know, let's talk for a moment about the economy and what we're looking at today. Do you agree that we are looking at some of the greatest opportunity we've seen in our lifetimes right now? It's crazy right now, man. It's like I think we're in the first stages, right? Of we, we, we definitely got some issues long term in, in the space. But if you look at the things that won't be disrupted, like I'm not a I don't speculate with money. I work too hard for my money. I never lose money like that is something that we have as a theme in my my business and mm-hmm. uh, in my investing. I never lose money. I will not invest in anything that's speculative or in nature or maybe or iffy. I, I just won't do it. I work too hard for money. To, to blow it. So I think we're in an economy that's going to be really, really great for a handful of people that have the kind of work ethic that you're talking about. And I think it's going to be extremely disruptive for everybody else that doesn't pay attention. That's right. So I think in today's world, if you've got a great idea, a great initiative that you want to create, remember, it's a very noisy marketplace today. 
I mean, everybody's selling everything from socks to sheets to, to pillows on the Internet. They don't invest in stores. It's all digital investments, uh, uh, audience acquisition. Uh, uh, the opportunity is fantastic today, but it's a very different marketplace. Remember, we lost Toys R Us a few days ago. That's right. And when legacy brands like that disappear, that's a little scary. As It's very disruptive, as Grant yeah. says. We're going, so, to see, we're going to see a lot more of that. You're going to see jobs literally go invisible over the next six to eight years. As we automate. Yep, I completely yeah. agree with you. And this is going to be like we have, I believe this, John, we have the lowest unemployment that we've had in 40 years. In six years, we're going to have the highest unemployment we've seen in 40 years. You think so? You think we're going to, the bubble's going to burst? Well, these jobs are going to go away. Just because of just because of computerization, you're saying my phone production that, changes. I can do things with my phone, uh, um, taking photos that that uh, a guy with a five thousand dollar camera can't do yet. Sure, you know we got to run, buddy. But you know, even a fifteen hour a dollar wage in a restaurant business in New York, over a thousand restaurants have closed already. Yeah, now, that's increasing payroll by over fifty percent. Look I mean, at us, me and you got radio shows without without serious radio. Yep, that's right. That's right. We're doing it on our own. But, you yeah. know, today, today you really have to find that big idea. And you got to associate yourself uh, uh, with greatness. You know, Grant, you, you, you are a leader, buddy. And, and I hope that my audience does take the time to, to Google you and look at your message because your message is very empowering. And, and when we're empowered, we do well. And, you know, and I always say in my last book, No Excuses, excuses is the reconciliation of a mistake. If we didn't make a mistake, we wouldn't use the excuse. That's right. I found it interesting when you were talking about the younger years of your life. You said you made bad choices. You didn't say you made mistakes. There's a yeah. difference. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're holding yourself accountable for the choices that you made rather than blowing them off as mistakes. That's powerful, Grant. Yeah. That's yeah. accountability. That's ownership. We yeah. all need to learn from that. We didn't make mistakes when we did these things. These were choices that we make. So remember, uh, uh, it's not the mistakes that are going to ruin your life. It's the choices that will or make you success. You agree? John Taffer, you're a great man, buddy. <laughs> Listen, I love you. We got to get together soon. Thanks for doing this. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing your show soon. Grant Cardone is, is like a nuclear power plant. The man has so much energy. And that energy just gets transmitted and communicated to everyone around him. I got to tell you, I'm pumped <laughs> from just talking to him. I love that interview. He's one exciting guy. If you haven't been to his website, checked out his work, you really, really should. But now it's time for my favorite Shut part of the show. Down. Audience calling. I love talking Shut to you down. guys. And let's start him right now. John, we've got Kieran from Yonkers, New York, who says that uh, his bar is using OxyClean to clean the lines. Wow. So, first of all, you're a Yonkers boy. I'm, I'm from Scarsdale, so I'm not from far from you, buddy. The bar is actually located in Hartsdale. You know Hartsdale? I went to yeah, elementary the school on, uh, in Hartsdale. So, tell me what's going on. So, OxyClean in beer lines? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, I'm telling you, yeah, that's what I heard. So, the bar, we, the bar I'm running right now is about two and a half years old. We went through a couple of different companies for cleaning the lines. Uh, we were recommended by the distributor this particular company to clean the lines. So I noticed in the last two to three months that the Guinness particular was getting a bit funky, a bit of a pale, yellowy-looking taste office, yellowy head. So so you're a Guinness guy, so you reached out to the Guinness head office, and, and have they responded to you yet? They have. I met with, I met with a two, two reps today, and they're looking into the situation. 
Because Guinness is a real quality-oriented company. I'd be surprised if Guinness didn't drop on that. You know what scares me, buddy, is that OxyClean, if I'm not mistaken, has bleach and chlorine kind of materials in it. I don't believe it's a consumable product. So That's right. That's right. You could be getting somebody deathly sick. And there's a lesson in this. You know, in, in the bar and restaurant industry, there's companies like Echolab and, and Colgate and others that provide chemicals. And even years ago when I ran hotels, if you use the wrong chemical on a phone, when somebody puts it up against their mouth, they'll get a rash, they'll get sick. You got to use the right things for the right purposes. And suggesting that OxyClean, I guess it'll make, uh, OxyClean will clear anything. So I'm guessing the Guinness became Guinness Blonde when it ran through that system, huh? Yeah, and I actually have Guinness Blonde now, yeah, so it must be. So, so Guinness Blonde actually is a Guinness made in America, which is a really cool beer. You did the right thing. I'm proud of you, buddy. And and obviously, you know, I can hear your accent. Beer and Guinness is, is very important to you. But you know what? When we're giving people products to think that you're drinking OxyClean, maybe the guy should be taking a shower in beer. What do you think? Washing his clothes in beer. Yeah. Good to talk to you, buddy. Yeah, Thanks for the story. So, John, we've got uh, Lucas Whitney from Kalamazoo, Michigan, who is seeking some advice for him and his wife. They are getting married soon. Wow. Congratulations, Lucas. How long have you been together? Thank you, John. Uh, we've been together uh, almost four years. And how old are you, buddy? I, I'm about to turn 31 later this month. Smart. You know, I didn't get married till I was 30, Lucas. And I had oh, really? my daughter when I was 35, actually. And I found that I just wasn't ready before 30. You know, I was focused on other things. So, touche, buddy. You know, you, you, you got to sow your oats a little bit before you made this move. Well, thank you, John. Yeah, I, I just wanted to wait for the right one, and I, I sure as hell know I found her. Yeah, that's great. Let me give you a, a piece of advice if I can, because I've been married twice. And the first one okay. didn't work out, and the second one worked out great. The first marriage I had... I always was, and men are this way, I was hesitant to really let my wife completely in. I always created mm-hmm. things that I wouldn't talk about with her. Maybe I wouldn't show her my weaknesses. and I never really completely let her in and, and, and allowed her to be a partner in everything I did. And my second wife, Nicole, we've been married now 19 years. Boy, it better not be 20. I'll be in big trouble. 19 years. We've been together 22 years. And Lucas, she's my partner in everything. She helps me in my company. Her office is, what, 20 feet from where I'm sitting right now. She travels with me when I'm shooting Bar Rescue. She knows every friend, every business associate, every person in my life. If you make your wife a true partner... And let all the barriers come down and the defenses and the bull that blocks us from doing that, you'll have the greatest marriage mm-hmm. in the world. That's that's my secret to a great marriage. Let her in. Yeah, I, I can definitely do that. It- one last thing, if I can leave it for you, Lucas. My wife, Nicole, okay. is one of the funniest girls I've ever met in my life. If you guys can keep laughing, that's the other trick. Keep laughing. Okay. Make each other laugh, guys. Happiness. Couples that laugh together never get divorced. Right. So I'm going to leave you with a joke if I can do that. You know about the three rings of marriage, right? You got the engagement um, ring, the wedding ring, and then you got the suffering after that. So good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. I appreciate it, man. Take care, buddy. Uh, <laughs> the suffering. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, John, we've got Amanda, and she's in Wisconsin. She's a former graduate art student who is searching for her passion. Ah, hi, Amanda. 
Dr. Chesler. I'm a huge fan, so I really appreciate you taking my call and giving me some advice. Uh, nice to talk with you. You, you know, you, you have a great uh, direction that I'm reading here. I mean, you want to work with kids as an art therapist, which so really would I, impact a lot of children. Is that your passion? I know. And, well, so I, I did a job shadow my senior year. It was actually really tough on me. It was really, um, it was really difficult to see all of the kids going through something tragic, whether it was their health or it was family situation. Um, so I, I, I didn't think that I'd be able to handle that, especially when I have my own babies. Um, so that's why I kind of said, well, I'll take a step back and I'll just find something else for now until, you know, I figure out what I want to do. And I just feel like everyone has a thing. Like my mom is incredible with flowers and designs, so she became a florist. And my girlfriend was always good at taking care of people, so she became a nurse. And I'm trying to find that thing. And I guess my question to you is, how did you figure out what you were passionate about? And how did you make that into a career? Boy, I'd love to tell you it was a plan, Amanda, but it, you know, I went to college for political science, I went to University of Denver, and the two things that I loved in life were politics and music, believe it or not. And, and while really? I was in college, I started tending bar and I fell in love with it. And one thing led to another, and I wound up in a bar business. I'll be honest with you, if I had it to do over again, I might have become a lawyer, I might have become a real estate person, I might have done something else. You know, when I look back at my life, there are other things certainly I could have done, not that I, I regret what I did. But I'm not sure that there's a real answer as as to what it is. You have to do tomorrow what excited you today. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What excited you? When was the last time you got really excited about doing something? Honestly, I volunteered at an animal shelter. Oh, gosh, now it's probably been five or six years ago. And I've always had this passion for animals, um, dogs specifically. Um, and I've, I've always gone back to that moment, but I don't necessarily know how to make it a career. And, and obviously it's not about money, but at some point it needs to be about the money. There's a standard of living that, you know, we, we, we my husband want to live by. And, um, anytime I've, I've looked into that option, I feel like I couldn't make a decent living on it. So let me ask a silly question. You've been professionally trained as an artist, correct? Correct. What if you did artwork of dogs and shelters? And what if those artworks of dogs and shelters was posted on ASPCA websites and other animal welfare websites to help them raise money so you could produce your artwork? That's a great idea. I never thought about it like that. See, I'm happy I called you. <laughs> so could you do that? Could you do some great artwork or charcoals or something of dogs in a shelter? And could that shelter post those pictures on social media? And could you become known? As a dog advocate artist. Sure. I'm gonna write, yeah, I'm, I'm writing that down right now. If it excites you, try it. If it doesn't Absolutely. excite you, find what does. But you strike me as someone who, who uh, uh, has a very uplifting kind of personality. So you're a pretty high energy, pretty vibrant girl, aren't you? I try to be. <laughs> no, I can tell by your voice tone and your energy. So if you love art and you love this, give it a try. Call up some of the art shelters in town and see if there's something that you could do with artwork. Could you do some art festivals to fund animal shelters? How do you combine sure. your art with your love of animals? I will. I really appreciate it. That's a really good idea. Thank you, Amanda. Great to talk.
Take care. And don't forget, next Sunday is the Puerto Rico Rescue Bar Rescue. Don't miss that one. It's my most important episode ever, okay? I never would. I watch it every week. Well, there we go. Another podcast episode. In the can, as they say. Listen, next week it's really important. Don't miss Bar Rescue. The most important episode I have ever done. Bar Rescue, Operation Puerto Rico. And... Hit subscribe at Apple Podcasts, go to podcastone.com or the Podcast One app, and you'll get your new No Excuses podcast episodes every week. You won't have to run and hunt and find it, and you won't have to worry about missing one. So do that now. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts, go to Podcast One or the Podcast One app. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note about anything, anytime especially if you'd like to participate in the show. And you can reach me at podcast at johntaffer.com. Podcast at johntaffer.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to No Excuses with John Taffer on Podcast One. Download new episodes every Tuesday here on podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, and at Apple Podcasts. Make sure to rate and review. 